Blog Talk Radio. Hi, folks. It's Adriel Hampton. I'm here with Steve Ressler and Steve Lunsford, my co-host for Government 2.0 Radio. Today we're going to be talking to uh, some folks from the City of San Francisco's Department of Technology and also uh, Yahoo web developer uh, Tom uh, Croucher. And uh, from City of San Francisco, we'll have uh, the CTO, uh, Mr. Blair Adams, and also our Innovations Manager, uh, Jay Knapp. I uh, am a San Francisco City employee in my daytime job, and uh, I do some social media outreach for the City Attorney's Office. And uh, interestingly, met uh, other folks working on open data, open government issues uh, in the city through GovLoop, which is Steve Ressler's baby. And um, so they'll be joining us shortly. And uh, also wanted to thank uh, Steve Ressler for organizing the uh, Summer of Gov events last week uh, for celebrating GovLoop's one-year anniversary. Steve, do you want to talk a little bit about the event uh, you guys put on in D.C. with uh, Apps for Democracy and some other folks? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was actually a ton of fun. Uh, Steve was there, Lunsford on the line, too, so maybe he can chime in. But, uh, yeah, we had a great event. Um, we had a local 16, kind of a, a cool, hip uh, bar area. And um, we had, I don't know, maybe 300 people. And it was for two causes, like uh, Adriel said, GovLoop, one year anniversary, but also Apps for Democracy 2, the community edition, uh, which is did which was really fantastic. Peter Corbett at iStrategy Labs uh, did, a, did a lot of work on that as well as the DC uh, CTO office. And uh, yeah, it was just a great uh, great group of people, uh, a bunch of people I'd never even met before, but you know, one of the, the founders of Mixed Inc., which is the technology they use for the OpenGov initiative for the White House, uh, people from NAPA, AOL, DOD, DHS, you know, City of DC, um, you know, the big contractors, the SRA, Lockheed, Deloitte, um, all the way down to you know some of the open government uh, nonprofits. So a great mix of people and uh, a ton of fun. And uh, the thing I did before it as well is I had a GovLoop anniversary in Second Life for the Second Life Virtual World people, which was actually my first time in Second Life. And uh, it was actually a lot of fun in the blast. This guy, uh, Eric Hackathorn, was, uh, was on the in the world, and he's big um, in the space for the federal government. He's out in DOD, or uh, out in Colorado and does a lot for NOAA. And the island was built by Marie, who uh, has a design firm that builds Second Life um, Island for government. And it was a ton of fun. So hopefully we'll, we'll do some Second Life again, some more in-person events. And uh, maybe you can talk a little bit, Adriel, how the San Francisco event went. Yeah, it was quite good. We had a... a Sponsorship from uh, Gov2Events.com, uh, which is the O'Reilly Tech Web uh, group putting on the uh, Government 2.0 Expo and Summit uh, upcoming in D.C. And uh, so we were grateful to them. Also, uh, FirmStep uh, contributed as well to make it a great event. And we had uh, several folks from city government there, from uh, the guys we're going to have on shortly were all there. Uh, as well as uh, uh, folks from other large city agencies that are experimenting with, uh, mostly with social media type stuff. And then uh, we had folks from YouTube and um, Granicus, uh, who they do some of the, uh, the live streaming for um, City of San Francisco's uh, 
uh, government meetings. And uh, it was a good group of people. It was We had a really fun uh, space as well. It's uh, 111 Mena, which is a real popular kind of uh, art uh, lounge in downtown San Francisco. And it was great. I mean, we went, uh, I think, you know, past the scheduled time with, with people having having fun and um, a lot of good relationships made. And we've got a great list to start. Basically, ours was a co-GovLoop celebration as well as uh, kind of the launch of San Francisco Government 2.0 Club. And uh, so we talked about that, and a lot of people signed up that they'd be, you know, interested in future events. And one of the fun things, uh, some people from the social media club, uh, the founders actually, uh, Chris Hewer and Christy Wells were there, uh, and it was great to have them and have them, you know, supportive of what we're trying to do in the government space. And uh, I was talking to Chris about his interest in kind of using some of the resources that, that they have to support a um, some kind of uh, uh, Gov2O conference around the one-year uh, anniversary of Barack Obama getting elected. So maybe doing something in San Francisco in November using one of the uh, tech campuses downtown. So I thought that was great. And we'll you know, probably uh, be brainstorming more about that in the next several weeks. Uh, so it was pretty, it was pretty exciting. Very cool. great to you know, meet a lot of people that, uh, you know, a few that I already met, but a lot of people I'd never met and just getting, getting folks in the same room uh, from outside, inside government. Uh, it's it very neat. We had some feds there as well. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I want to give a plug in. There's a, uh, another cool conference going on this week upcoming that uh, helped out with the bar for the DC GovLoop uh, event, which is the OpenGov Innovations Conference, which uh, I think you can check that out. I think it's OpenGovInnovations.com, or you can always Google it. And uh, that's shaping up to be a cool event. I think they have uh, you know 500 to 1,000 people attending, and the CIO and CTO, and even I think O'Reilly is going to be there. So. Uh, that should be fun, so uh, sign up if you, if you haven't already. And, uh, I should be there at least on Wednesday, so hopefully uh, you know, say hi if you're, if you're in town and you see me. Yeah, folks can follow that at uh, OGI Conference on Twitter. They've got a, a link up, and as you said, Steve, they'll be. Uh, I think Vivek will be there as well as one of the keynotes. Tim is one of the keynotes, and it, I think it's going to be a pretty good um, – uh, Anish uh, Chopper will be there also. So there will be some, some really nice uh, uh, keynote speakers. Um, and I think those may be free sessions, and then there's a lot of other sessions going on along over the two days. Great, great. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to move the guests online pretty quick, but uh, just in terms of some of the cool things I've seen going on uh, this week, one of my favorites was uh, a blog by Jeffrey Levy, or Levy uh, of EPA on GovLoop and also on his blog, which is the ultimate social media policy for government agencies, which he actually boil down to do to two rules, which is do use social media tools to serve your mission and don't be stupid. <laughs> and I thought that was uh, pretty fantastic. And there's a lot of Yeah, I, I wish we that. could get the lawyers to uh to accept uh simple and straightforward <laughs> Yeah, you know one of the other things I saw that that uh Jeffrey also helped put together there are actually really two Kind of cool um, Twitter policies that were that were kind of pushed out this week as well. Uh, HHS, uh, Andrew P. Wilson on on um, uh, on Twitter helped put together something at the the newmedia.hhs.gov site uh, under standards that talks about uh, Twitter guidance for HHS that I think is applicable no matter what level of government you're at. And then the same thing Jeffrey and some folks put together at uh, webcontent.gov. And I'll, I'll I'll put these out under the GovTwit. Uh, 
uh, ID on Twitter here, links for folks to follow, put out uh, a similar kind of um, uh, white paper that explains kind of what the micro, what microblogging is, how it's used, uh, some best practices and stuff. Uh, really cool things for, for folks to uh, uh, to check out. And, and actually interested to, to hear uh, from from our guests today about how you know how they've used it, uh, especially the uh, the recently announced SF three one one service that they're 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 doing and pushing out over Twitter. So um, I thought those are two cool things that came out this week. Great. Yeah, I, I actually missed those. So I look forward to, uh, to to checking out those links, uh, Steve Lunsford. So why don't we go ahead and uh, get to our guests. Um, I'm going to first bring on uh, Mr. Uh, Blair Adams, who is the uh, Chief Technology Officer uh, at City of San Francisco, and he's uh, uh, going to be able to talk about it. We've titled today's show the, uh, the Promise of Open Data and the city of San Francisco is doing uh, interesting things as far as not only the social media, but trying to uh, move towards uh, open data framework. And uh, Blair, are you with us? Yes, I am. Great. Thank you. Uh, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, what you do for the city now, and uh, if you can you know, talk a little bit about um, upcoming projects, and then we'll uh, bring Jay on. Uh, and then Tom as well. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Thank and you. Uh, I thought I'd just start, as you say, with a few words of background. Um, I joined the city three years ago. I came from a Fortune 100 consultancy uh, environmental engineering firm. And I came to the city primarily because the mayor and the CIO had this kind of wild idea of bringing private sector mindedness to the public sector. So uh, I get into this, uh, you know, bureaucratic labyrinth that we know and love as the city and county of San Francisco, and I quickly realize that there's about an 18-month budget and uh, procurement cycle that is really going to seriously uh, hamper any kind of innovation attempts that I was going to try to lead up. So it occurred to us quite quickly that we'd have to um, rely on technology. So you know, we took uh, hardware virtualization and open source software together to squeeze our product cycles down to, you know, around about a week. And we had some early successes launching uh, open source software. And the next hurdle was kind of a cultural change. Uh, we had to encourage some of our high potential staff to embrace the notion of on-the-job uh, on training and what I call uh, fail quick or fail cheaply. So we formalized uh, kind of a Google day where people could spend 20% of their time on a project that demonstrated high business value with low effort and this, this quick product-to-market timeline. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like we're doing anything that magical. I feel like the timing was really a critical component here. The city's uh, confronted with very serious budget constraints, and um, at the same time, we've got a lot of innovation going on around the country, particularly at the federal level. And um, open source software, virtualization, all these nice technologies are getting to the point where they're very mature, so they're very stable. Um, and what that allowed us to do is to formalize a group that we ultimately called innovation. I, I'd been used to leading R&D groups, but research and development doesn't really sit that well in the, in the uh, city, so we decided that the term innovation was a good word, and um, we formalized a small team of 16. I was able to give uh, hand the keys over to Jay, if you will, and make him the manager of innovation. Uh, and then from there, Jay's been just doing an absolutely fantastic job of taking what I think of as kind of a creative commons model or an open source model 
um, of technology and community building to, to government technology. And we're definitely still in our early days, uh, seeing a lot of promising results. And um, you know, that's pretty much all I want to say. I'll, I'll uh, leave plenty of room here for Jay, because after all, he's doing the bulk of the heavy lifting. So, Jay, you're on the air now, and you're uh, the innovations manager for the City of San Francisco, and or, and also uh, you put together kind of a uh, side project blog to kind of chronicle some of the things that uh, are going on in San Francisco. It's the opensf.wordpress.com, right? Yeah, and, and uh, that was really just, you know, learning about what other folks are doing is that uh, you have to be transparent in and what your thoughts are and how you're going about things. So we thought it would be great to accompany our plans kind of uh, publicly, what our thinking is, and getting feedback from people. And it's been uh, it's been a really good experience. And, you know, it doesn't seem transformational having a blog, but I think for, you know, the public sector, it, it is a, it, it's a big step. And um, um, But I will say it's not an official city blog, so it's not official. But... Um, yeah, let me just start by uh, giving a quick background of myself. Um, I started uh, about three years ago with the city as well, uh, similar to Blair, and I came from a startup uh, in the city. And uh, so I brought a lot of that same energy to uh, my job when I first came here. And uh, it was a bit of a shock, uh, but I, I kind of knew that when I was uh, coming on board. Uh, but from my experience, uh, you know, Blair and I were, were lockstep in our vision of using, you know, open source. Uh, of using virtualization, uh, of of trying to change the way the city does business. And that's really fundamentally what we're trying to do here is that we're trying to get the people involved and co-producing with the city and uh, hopefully making a better place for for residents and uh, the government more efficient. And I I really do think that's a fundamental change for us. Um, You know, all the um, kind of problems that we have, I think a lot of it can be sanitized with sunlight and, you know, the, the bad purchases we make or the problematic processes that we have or, you know, just a whole host of problems. I think if, if people are aware of them, they can help solve those problems. And I think it's, a, it's you know, kind of an academic theory right now in some regards, but, you know, we've seen small successes of uh, in other places. So we, we're hopeful that we can take this approach to solve big problems. And um, that kind of ties into uh, liberating government data which is the uh, which is the goal of our project um, uh, open data and uh, we've got two other pillars in our our, our um, kind of uh, overall program another one is open participation and the last is open source and um, so I'm going to focus most of my time just talking about the open data since that's um, the topic for today and uh, I guess I'll start just by you know kind of chronologically where this all began um, it really started with um, Obama's leadership and his January 21st uh, transparency memo and that, you know, creating data.gov and Vivek doing that, I think, in record speed and doing such a great job. That was really an inspiration. That was, for us, the starting point saying, wow, this is really impressive. Uh, DC's catalog as well. You know, how do we do that? So, you know, just talking to Blair and our CIO, you know, we agreed that this is something we should be doing, and um, our CIO has some contacts with Vivek, and we also reached out to the folks in D.C. to see how they created their catalog, Um, and uh, from there, we've just been doing a whole bunch of outreach, uh, just talking to a whole bunch of people at, you know, the Open Government Working Group, which about a year or two ago from O'Reilly talked a lot about open data and how you do this, and laid down some principles, eight principles specifically around this. We've talked to Megan Phillips, uh, uh, 
director of uh, new media at, uh, at the feds, and we've talked to DIY City, just a whole bunch of people because we're new to the space and um, and and reaching out through GovLoop. Uh, that's how we found uh, Adriel, which was uh, which was nice and serendipitous. Um, so it's been a whole bunch of learning in the past. Uh, it seems like a while now, but just really just a couple of months now that we've been undertaking this. And with that, we've uh, one of the recognitions was that we've we face the same ch- challenges. Uh, you know, the, the feds did an amazing job, but how do we actually translate that to city hall and the state level? Um, if we all face that challenge, can we work together in solving that problem? So that's where the idea of uh, putting together an open source community came about. Um, Blair and I having that background of open source and and really thinking that that's uh, an ideal way to solve uh, problems and and create uh, solutions through technology. So with that, um, you know, it started off with just an experiment. I didn't ask anyone. I just went ahead and put out a uh, list on an ad on Craigslist, seeing if uh, there were. Uh, like-minded folks that are developers here in the city or anywhere else that would like to participate in this project to liberate government data and building a platform to do that. And it was a tremendous response. And, um, you know, especially through kind of tools like Twitter, the word got out. And um, it was just overwhelming, the kind of response that we had. Um, and we've we've got a core group of people now that I think that um, can really push this project forward. Uh, I am... Not naive. I know that open source projects are um, difficult to maintain and sustain, and um, you know. But I am hopeful that we've got, you know, a unique proposition here that's solving a, a huge problem for government organizations everywhere. So I think that our goals are 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 you know um, are aligned very well, and I think we've got the right people, and it's really the right time now. Uh, with uh, Obama's leadership, and uh, I think the maturing of the Gov 2.0 community. I think there's just a nice convergence of all of a lot of things happening that uh, are making this possible and making it a lot easier than it would have been before. So uh, just to kind of put down what we're trying to achieve in, in, uh, in a simple phrase here, uh, our goal is to put together a community to develop an open source platform to improve public access to raw government data in open machine readable formats. Now that's a mouthful. Um, but essentially, it's what's changing here is that we're now recognizing philosophically that this isn't our data, this isn't government data, this is the public's data that's in the public domain, and people shouldn't have to make FOIA requests and kind of pry it from our hands and um, you know make it as difficult as possible. It's changing that uh, thinking to saying that everything should be public. And the onus is upon the government to state when it's not, you know, if there's some security risks or privacy risks and things like that. And, you know, obviously there needs to be a balance. We don't want to go too far and, you know, reveal nuclear secrets, which I know happened recently. So you need to be balanced and you need to be careful. And I'll speak to you a little bit about our data policy or, or uh, the one that we're formulating. Since we were talking about social media policy, I think policies are important. So. Why is it important to to share government data, and how 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 do we go about doing that? So, I think one of the rationales for for releasing uh, government data in machine readable formats is that so that people can actually use technology to take this data and do things with it that we have no idea or you know just couldn't imagine what they would do with this data. Uh, and and a good local example here in San Francisco is um, uh, our Department of Environment 
releasing um, three XML feeds on recycling and recycling locations and uh, recycling information. Uh, somebody took that data and built an iPhone application called EcoFinder. You can Google that and check it out. I think it's actually in the Apple uh, Store right now. And um, it, it helps people understand where their nearest recycling center is for a car battery, for example. Um, and, and I think it's a small way of solving a problem or a need in, in our community. And something that you know um, the folks at SFE may not have been able to do because of lack of uh, you know resources or the right skill sets to build an iPhone application. So I think that's one example. Uh, another example is um, the folks at Stamos, a local design firm in San Francisco, technology design firm, and they built a beautiful map called Oakland Crime Map, uh, actually Oakland Crime Spotting Map, and I, I recommend anyone listening to the show to check it out, Google that, and it's just a uh, just an amazing uh, visual representation of crime. I know it's a kind of uh, an, um, you know uh, a weird thing to call beautiful, but it's it's there and it's and they've done a great job. And I think it is an important thing for people to know where crime's happening, so people can choose the right place to live and so on and so forth. But um, they had to actually scrape that data. They, Oakland did not give them that data. They were you know just very reluctant. And uh, San Francisco is taking a different course. We're going to, you know, liberate that data, give it to them, and, and listen to them and hopefully make it as easy as possible. Um, so they're kind of in alpha mode with that right now. But the point is that releasing government data, I think the community is going to do a lot of great things that we can't imagine right now. And we're going to look at ways to foster that, either through competitions, which we're not so sure of right now if that's the ideal way, uh, or uh, through kind of development camps, hack camps, things like that. Uh, so we've got kind of a community-based, sustainable approach. So that's our goal, and I think that um, you know the fact that DC has done a great job with that and has been successful, the feds have been successful. Um, it's really a matter of execution here in the city and and and, and doing that. So. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're just really at the at the beginning of this of this journey, and um, we're going to be doing a launch soon. And uh, under the premise of just do it and get something out there, and uh, there's two primary reasons to do that. One is to get feedback from the community as to what data sets they they want to see, in addition to the ones we've released. And you know we can kind of conjecture as to what they like to see, but really getting the public voice involved in what they want to see, I think, is a really important thing. And um, we're going to do that through kind of a, a dig-style voting mechanism so that people just don't throw it into some submission box and it goes into a black hole. Uh, they'll be able to see what other people are suggesting and vote on that. And I think that's important because, um, because that, um, you know, we have very little influence here within the city. It's it's a federated model. There's IT groups, and it's it's very much siloed in the city. So for us to actually you know try to convince people to release data, it's it's not easy. And I know that people uh, across the country are taking different approaches. New York City's uh, proposing legislation, and um, you know uh, people are doing resolutions. But um, San Francisco doesn't really operate that way. It's not so uh, top down. So we're thinking the best approach is to let the people speak and to use that energy, to use that uh, as a way to get departments to share their data. And we're hopeful that's going to be convincing because we've seen it in the past work, and hopefully the media can amplify the, the needs as well. So that's one aspect of why we're just doing this. Now, the second aspect is that we want to get uh, an understanding of the data sets that we released today. 
um, what they like about it, what they don't. Is it the right format? Is there some problems with it? Are they, you know, is there accuracy issues and, and things like that? So that'll give us a sense of what people are looking for uh, as we kind of go look towards the long term. <clears throat> and then phase two is going to be uh, the rollout of our open source community project, which we've uh, just named Civic DB. And uh, Civic DB is going to take a different approach. Um, it's it's uh, the first approach is a portal approach, and just to explain that in a little bit more detail, that's simply um, linking to uh, maybe an FTP server, a web server, or um, you know some website where the data resides. So we're just you know the first uh, phase is simply a clearinghouse, a one-stop shop for all the data here in the city, very much like data.gov, and that's quick and easy to get done. But there's um, downsides to that approach, and uh, we're going to try to um, resolve those issues with a centralized uh, repository approach, which is what CivicDB is. And what that really enables is um, a lot of different uh, ways to offer data. So they can offer in multiple formats, whether it's CSV, XML, GORSS. It's going to uh, just open up into um, a whole bunch of open formats so that people can consume it in whatever way that they're comfortable with. So if somebody wants to download it as a CSV file, open up an Excel, and make some nice charts that way, they can do that. Or if they're a programmer and they want to you know, uh, use a RESTful web service, they can use that to build an iPhone application. So we're going to give people as much choice as possible. And we're also looking for, as, a, as a, another part of the project, is a way for people to clean up data, or at least to notify the data owners that, hey, you have a gap here. There's an accuracy problem. You know, you know, there's a tree here that should be here but is not listed in your data set. So hopefully we can actually um, use the community's uh, efforts to, to make city data better. And I think that's going to be important in the long run. Um, it's going to be, I think, complicated, but I think it's an important initiative. And um, I guess I'll close out and just talking about our data policy and, um, and where we are with that. Um, we're trying to move as quickly as possible, but just recognizing that we need to be smart. Uh, can't be stupid here. And uh, we're looking at... Um, some of the existing policies out there. Uh, Creative Commons is one for data specifically, CC0 that we're looking at. There's also a public database license uh, version 1.0, and they both do the same thing. They establish some basic standards around public data consumption, uh, which is the way I think we need to go. It's well understood, it's well reasoned, and it's a standardized format, uh, which I think is much better than every city or every organization trying to create their own. That being said, um, we're San Francisco and we have to do things differently. So we've got our own data policy in, in kind of version 1.0. And uh, that's uh, been developed by our, our attorneys and our GIS team, uh, which Blair has been uh, uh, kind of taking a lead on that as well. So we've got that and we're going to go live with that. And um, uh, I think it's important that every organization has something that articulates what people can and can't do with that data and our responsibility and things like attribution. Um, so uh, I'm I'm fortunate that we're there, uh, but we've uh, once we get standardized, I'll be I'll be very happy. Uh, so hopefully, I covered uh, a, a bit about our project, and it makes sense to the listeners and and uh, the folks on the line here. Yeah, and I okay. know that, uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, sir. Sorry. Yeah, this is uh, Steve from GovLoop, and uh, first of all, uh, congrats. Uh, sounds like you're you're really cranking and moving in, in the right direction, and. I think you uh, epitomize what it, what everyone's going through is that we are still early on this. There's no kind of definitive answers on all this, and we're all learning. 
but I think it would be kind of cool for the readers since, or the listeners since you've been on this kind of cool uh, listening tour the last couple of months. You said you've been to Van, talk to people in Vancouver and uh, Megan Phillips and the Vivex and uh, a lot of these smart people working in the space. Uh, what were kind of the key themes that you got out of uh, talking to these people, uh, what the lessons learned, or what were their kind of recommendations to, to you and Blair? Well, I'll start off with Macon Phillips. I think he he's really frank about what, what's going on, and you can see that they've been just doing an amazing amount of work around social media. And I was actually surprised to see that they're uh, they're moving in the absence of things like uh, social media policies. I mean, that's one thing that um, I think Gabriel, myself, and a few others are trying to create here in the city, and it's not hasn't been easy. And um, it's, so it's a bit comforting that, that the White House has moved forward so quickly without any you know definitive policies. Um, I don't know if we're playing with fire or if you know the the saying of um, you know seeking uh, you know not seeking out permission, and asking for forgiveness is the way to go about doing it. But it seems that to really move forward, you, you sometimes have to to kind of um, cut, I wouldn't say cut corners, but not always go through the proper bureaucratic process. And it's a and I think it's really about experimentation, seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, the other thing we learned from Macon is that uh, they have a huge audience. So when they post things, they get thousands of feedback, and and they've had to use technology to um, kind of call through that and um, use the many eyes of the community to flag inappropriate responses, things like that. So that's uh, that was that was uh, helpful for us. We also contrasted how the local. At the local level, it might be uh, we have certain advantages. We may not have as many eyeballs, but we can actually meet with these people. So the feds can't do that. It's much more difficult. We can actually meet with residents and talk about issues. So we can actually, you know, mix up whether it's virtual or live or both. Um, and I think that's something that's really powerful. And really, you know, the services that most people receive are delivered by local government. So that's another advantage I think that we've got. Um, yeah, I, I, we've also talked to a lot of folks at the open, open Government Working Group, and they've been helpful with just kind of getting us in touch with other folks and uh, opening up doors. We're looking for sponsorship from a kind of a national organization so that we've got some uh, legitimacy and, and some backing, uh, which would be ideal. But we're um, we're still we're we're nascent, so I think that it's it's uh, we've done a great job so far. So there's a lot to learn, and I think if people are interested in what our discussions have been about, um, yeah, check out our blog, opensf.wordpress.com, to, to see some of our discussions. Hey, Jay, it's Steve Lunsford. Uh, what, what sort of – you had talked about services. Um, well, I mean, the idea, I guess, is that it's, it's limited to anybody's imagination after you kind of push some of this, this, uh, this data out there. But are there particular services that the city wants to kind of put forth that they'd like the community to kind of work on, things that would be – kind of top of mind uh, to be beneficial. You had mentioned kind of the crime map. I know there's um, some of those that are that are available. You mentioned one. There's a, there's a few others, I think, that have, have launched mm -hmm. nationwide. Are there any other particular types of services that you're eyeballing? Yeah, and, and that's a great question. I think we're going to have specific kind of dev camps around certain areas, and one of them is going to be around 311. You know, it obviously uh, a lot of people are interested in that. It's a heavily used service here in the city. And uh, we we face a little bit of criticism with the Twitter launch. People saying, "Well, you know, that's great, but you know, that's just another service. It's just like email." And you know, those are legitimate points. Uh, there are some flip sides. There are some positives to why we use Twitter. There is no cost in in that. We trying to create an SMS architecture or another provider costs tens of thousands of dollars to do. So I think it was a great choice. But uh, 
Uh, we're looking around how to innovate in the three-in-one space, and uh, we're working on open APIs so that people can communicate with our system uh, programmatically. And uh, we want to have a dev camper on there. We were thinking about creating our own little group of you know, mobile developers, but A, we don't have that type of uh, skill set here in the city, and there are so many bright people in our backyard that know how to do this and are willing to do this. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of co-produce this together. So that I think there's going to be one. Uh, I think another one's going to be around transit. Uh, it's a very important piece uh, to people's lives. And uh, we had a recent snafu uh, around data, um, GPS data specifically for for uh, our, our transit uh, folks. And um, I think that they're very willing to move in a new direction and um, they want to release this data so that people can build applications again around transit so that they know when their next bus is coming uh, through a BlackBerry or through some other means or, uh, you know, text messages. Um, and I think th that new media is going to be a great solution for a lot of our problems, a very cheap solution to um, solving communication problems that the city has right now. Why don't we bring uh, Tom Hughes' uh Croucher into the conversation. Tom is a uh, private sector web developer, and um, I, I think it's interesting talking about the the ranking. We had a, a comment from uh, Luke Fretwell, who's a, also a local developer uh, who was at our um, San Francisco uh, Gov2O Club event. He was talking about um, using uh, Nation Builder, which is a project by uh, Jim Gilliam, uh, to uh, do the ranking of what people might want to see. Uh, but Tom, do you have uh, ideas and thoughts about what the uh, you know, citizenry of San Francisco or you know, private web developers might be interested in seeing as far as, as uh, data sets from the city of San Francisco? Well, I think one of the important things is that um, we're, we're going about taking this kind of data up approach. Um, and this is the most day jobs at Yahoo, and this is actually how we build uh, websites at Yahoo, is that the most important thing is to have um, easy, clean access to the data because then at that point it, it's much easier to kind of layer um, all kinds of different services on top of it so you can have three different representations of that same data to three different audiences. But if you, of course, start to build out um, particular websites around um, a given source of data without actually exposing it through an API or through, through some way to um, access it natively, then it's much harder to then go back and say, well, actually, this, this application that we built isn't quite right. So um, I think that's, that's been really helpful. Um, in terms of, of, of specific applications and kind of specific data, I think the, the, the point that Jay made earlier about sort of exposing recycling data, it's really difficult to, um, to look at the, the vast amount of data that the city of San Francisco has um, and to say, well, this is what I'm at. Because for every private individual or for every sort of um, group that has a particular interest, um, different sets of data are their own killer apps. So um, for some people that are really interested in crime statistics, or if you're a parent, maybe you're really interested in where all the good schools are, um, or you know what you can do to kind of help um, you know youth activities in your in your region. Um, and I think that that's the sort of thing that I think is is really important um, to see the sort of a civic works project is that um, the it's very difficult for the, um, for the government to kind of facilitate every, every project to, to help every special interest group. But by providing the data, 
the government is allowing, uh, because the, the data is the only thing that nobody else can make available. And providing the data, the city of San Francisco um, is enabling everybody else to then go and hire a web developer or find some volunteers that are interested in their special interests um, and then take on that task themselves and make something that really suits whatever particular um, application they're interested in. Hey, absolutely. I know one of the interesting um, ideas we were talking over uh, sort of informal Fridays uh, with the, the uh, Department of Technology group there was something like, say you wanted to uh, uh, patronize, you're, you're an environmentalist and you want to patronize only businesses that, um, patronize, excuse me, businesses that use uh, recycled uh, oil for uh, biodiesel. And there's some businesses that donate their grease to uh, biodiesel manufacturers. You could mash that up with Yelp, and uh, you know, and then you would have those those restaurants that support your cause, and you could uh, support them as well. There's so many interesting small things you can do, like you talked about the uh, the EcoFinder uh, app for the iPhone, and uh, so it's really interesting to see what will happen when when folks really get their hands on on open access to all that information. And on that point, uh, we were looking at, you know, how do you foster that? You know, does the city play a role in, in actually trying to facilitate that conversation? And, um, you know, obviously looking to D.C., they've done the Apps for Democracy and Sunlight Foundation sponsored one as well. And uh, we did hear some voices saying that, you know, that may not be the best approach. Uh, you know, fiscal incentive is great, but it kind of cheapens the relationship with the community. Um, and especially if you're trying to do this in a sustainable, long-term way, uh, money may not be the greatest motivator. You may want to just, uh, you know, look for the common challenges that people face as residents and their kind of civic-minded, um, you know, uh, reasons for for doing something like this. So we're we're, we're kind of shy towards competitions right now. Uh, we're not. I'm not saying we won't do it, but we're not so sure of it right now. I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts uh, about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll chip in. This is Steve Russler um, from GovLoop, and uh, I had kind of an interesting conversation this week with Greg Ellis, who used to run the Sunlight Labs, kind of around open data and, and how long it would take. And part of his, you know, he's got a pretty big background in the open source community as well, and he said there's just kind of a lot of steps uh, that need to happen before you start seeing kind of the, the home run apps all over the place. And part of it, he said, is it's just, you need to build up, first get the data online, but then it's really kind of the things you were saying of getting it in the right formats, um, also kind of tying in, right, if Cincinnati has transit data in San Francisco and you know, 10 other cities, how can we, you know, some developer will aggregate all that so, uh, you know, app developers can make one app that, that fits all, the, all that data. And he was kind of looking for the kind of the killer apps more 12 to 18 months out that uh, There'll be a lot of baby steps along the way before you start seeing all the home runs. And then I guess my final thought too is if you look at some of the other uh, putting you know data or APIs available, you know you think of Twitter and all the great things that evolved through the Twitter API. You know, Twitter's not really necessarily holding contests. Well, I think that the contest approach is great, um, but they just kind of built a really awesome API and, and were very good to the developers. And maybe that's a lot of what we need to do, just mm -hmm. make sure we have really good data. And, uh, you know, part of it will be people will create things for civic duty, and part of it, you know, people will see business 
opportunities. And I think I saw Beth and Beth Novak and uh, maybe it was Anish saying part of this is about building entrepreneurship uh, when our right. economy is low. So I think you know that's we could just do it well and kind of like Twitter and allow the tweet decks and the tweeties and twit picks to survive and build businesses off government data. Um, and, and just really to speak to that point, I would I would really agree, and I think that's kind of that's one of the things that I, I found really um, exciting about Jay asking us to come in and volunteer was that um, a lot of the people, all the people in our group, are real world developers. Um, we have uh, people from big corporations, some people from startups, but they're all people that really, you know, spend their day jobs using data, manipulating it, working with these kinds of uh, systems. Um, and that means that whatever ends up getting built will be built for real developers. It won't be something that's been abstracted by layers of uh, It will be something that's really been shaped by the people, um, by the kind of people that are expected to use um, the system. And I think that, that's one of the things about CPDB that I find really exciting is that it's something um, that's built for developers, by developers, um, at that good cause. And just to touch on that point, we've done some outreach too with the, you know, our, our audience. Um, uh, so we've reached out to Mark Heed, who uh, placed second uh, place in um, the Apps for Democracy contest about, you know, what are some of the criteria for a successful, you know, data catalog? What should we be looking for? And I think there's a lot of agreement upon what we're looking for, but he refined our thinking, and we're continuing to reach out to to more folks who actually have consumed data from either data.gov or DC's catalog or elsewhere, uh, even Twitter, uh, and what have they done right, and you know what should we be looking to do as we build out CivicDB. So I think that's, that's really important for us is to make sure that it is built for the community that's going to use it and keeping them involved in the conversation. Well, we're talking future directions. Um, one of the things that's been sort of interesting for us is um, all government data, you know, any kind of document that you might uh, um, request is, is sunshineable in San Francisco. And I think as we dive into data and as we dive into source code, no one's really given very much thought to it at all. And so on one hand, we'll hear from our attorney's office that, you know, information documents should not be treated any differently than data. But on the other hand, we'll see that they want to treat data differently and they want to license the use of data um, so one of the things that we're doing in that regard is to take uh, any of the professional service providers that are building software for us, um, most recently a master address database that we're building, and we're having them license that source code under GPL, or we haven't quite settled, it might be a Creative Commons variant of GPL, so that we can share uh, that source code with other jurisdictions. So, um, you know, more than just the G to C and C to G, we also want to emphasize the G to G aspect of this. and if Oakland doesn't have an address database and they want our source code, I think we should just send it over to them, and hopefully they would augment it and improve on it with us. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of part of the home run, and you know that you know, government doesn't quite do that, but it hits a part of the idea I had when I created it. Is you know we're all recreating the wheel, uh, federal, state, local, local across agencies, and we can leverage and learn from each other. And kind of one one cool example of that they're starting to try that at the at the federal level. It's very nascent, but uh, there's a then OMB Max Office of Management Budgets uh, wiki. They're starting to to gather kind of the same way source codes. So there's a little group that's uh, pushing that, which I think is perfect. You know, I mean, if if one agency just spent 
um, you know, a bunch of money to, to develop an you know, address book or whatever, uh, often the way the contracts are written, you know, we own that uh, property. We should share it with each other rather than um, have the vendors um, sell it to us again. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, one of the early goals is just to simply level the playing field for open source products. So in my mind, every time we save $100,000 on software licenses, that $100,000 could go into customization that, of course, we can then share. Definitely. Um, so I mean, one other point that I was really interested in, I think that we sometimes forget, is that we're looking at applications a lot. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting about open data is that I feel like um, we're giving people an opportunity to uh, create insights. So while it's not as interesting as, a, as an actual Web 2.0 application, which is interactive and people can explore it, um, simply uh, making information about, say, shipping uh, accidents in San Francisco available without needing um, a CIO request is incredibly empowering because it means that somebody that's interested um, in cycling safety can go and analyze that data um, and create some insights that they can push up through something like the San Francisco Bike Coalition. Um, to the city and present um, a new, you know, opinion of, of here's maybe where we should have bike lanes because this is a dangerous area, and that allows the business to really help um, help the city and kind of provide more sets of eyes, more sets of kind of um, oversight and um, um, real citizen interest um, in a way that's much more cumbersome than existing um, than these existing systems where where data is automatically kind of withheld. Um, until somebody explicitly asks for it. It's kind of this open by design um, is incredibly empowering because it almost encourages people to start taking interest in their government and kind of what are the things that I'm interested in that my, that my government is doing for me um, and what can I do to kind of learn more about that and maybe um, take a participatory uh, role in that um, and, and give something back. Yeah, we've seen some examples of like that, so I think fostering that here in the city is going to be uh, is going to be very important for us. So, for example, I think a couple of years back, somebody uh, put all the you know uh, locations of trees here within the city, and uh, it it seems like you know that that's what what's a big deal. But putting up the trees here in the city is is an important first step in in just kind of the environment of, of the city, and um, we don't know where all the trees are, so we could have hired somebody to go out there um, and and try to find out all the trees and put them into a database, but somebody said, well, there's a lot of people who are interested in it. There's some um, uh, special interest groups here in the city that are, would be very interested in, in helping. So how can we enable them through their group to actually use Web 2.0 type tools to you know actually create data, to uh, clean up data? and um, you know, I think that initiatives like that are going to be important for the city as well because we don't have the resources always. And, and there are people who are interested who can make the city a better place. So opening up the doors for data and um, and making it two-way I think is important as well, not just release of data. We should be able to take data back into the city. Um, and, and Blair, maybe you can speak a little bit about that with a master address database. You have a similar uh, concept there. Yeah, just a couple of thoughts. It was a friend of the Urban Forest, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it was a, a young lady by the name of Amber Biggs. So she did a great right. job pulling people together to do that uh, Urban Forestry Survey and, and get it out online. 
Um, yeah, same kind of idea with uh, master address database. Um, we fondly refer to it as the MAD. There's a, a maintenance module that will allow people to um, make suggestions around uh, address changes that will be vetted through the Department of Building Inspection. Um, but one of the things, like uh, just sort of as a, a final thought for me, what I wanted to say was, um, you know, the, the, there's the, there's change afoot, and there's a lot of people that are very interested in, in transparency in government. One of the challenges that I'm going to have as I move forward is creating an environment where I can continue to retain, you know, bright young innovators like Jay and the rest of his team. So one of the, the common topics I have with our CIO is how do we create an environment to attract and retain staff that are interested in doing this kind of stuff. And I really believe, as Tom was saying, by making people aware of what we're doing, making the data available, it's, it's uh, a great path to creating an environment that people want to belong to. The city is facing uh, probably a 60% attrition as a result of retirement. So there's going to be a lot of change going on in San Francisco over the next five years. And I think, you know, from an innovation standpoint, from a change and transparency in government uh, standpoint, there really hasn't been a better opportunity probably in the last two decades to do this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point, Blair, because that turnover is going to allow a huge uh, culture shift in government, and it's it's great to have folks working kind of in advance uh, on on some of the policies and directions uh, that, that will really uh, integrate well with that kind of shift in uh, in employees and cities. Yeah, and I think this is Steve again, that just doing this uh, also helps re retain the, the young, great staff you have. Um, I think one of the cool, one of the cooler apps of, of the last DC round of Azure Democracy was created uh, by the, the CTO team uh, some, from some in-house gubbies who would die to hack and create this cool stuff. But, you know, like me, they're stuck on kind of a lot of boring committees often and don't have the time to, to do the kind of really interesting things they want. And I think uh, doing the things like you said with the 20% time or just the innovation committee committees and, and telling them we really care about your ideas and uh, go ahead and run and experiment with failure is something that uh, most people don't hear in government. So that's, that's pretty powerful. All right, Will, we've got just a couple of minutes left to wrap up. Uh, Jay, do you have any final thoughts you wanted to impress on people or any calls to action, any information you want to convey to, to our listeners? Or Probably a yeah, lot of them are on the East Coast, but uh, you know, open communication makes things so easy to, to share. Uh, in terms of call to action, I, I welcome other folks to join our uh, effort around CivicDB, and uh, you can learn more at our blog, opensf.wordpress.com, on what that's about. And, um, you know, let me touch upon a little bit of our other initiatives in the few minutes remaining. Uh, the other initiative we have is around open participation in addition to open data. And what one of our ideas, and it's, you know, something that, that the feds have done and that we want to incorporate locally is to create a kind of, a, they're calling it an ideation platform, but a way for people to um, answer the challenges that we have locally and suggest ideas. And that was one of the things that first attracted me to the city was, you know, I've got a whole bunch of ideas. How do I actually tell people within the city what those are? And using a platform, I think, in WebTO to, to kind of solve that communication problem, I think is going to be really interesting. Uh, so we took a first experiment on our recovery website. 
um, and we've learned quite a bit about how to you know ask the right questions so you get the right response and how do you you know manage a community an online community and cultivate that and make sure that it's um, it's worthwhile and I guess one of the last things we've learned around that is that uh, there needs to be an outcome people are not going to contribute if it goes into a, um, a fancy black hole and um, you know how do you tie those ideas the good ones uh, so they are actionable and they are shaping policy and I don't think we have the answers there yet, and I don't think we've demonstrated that. But uh, I think the first step is, is experimenting with um, these tools to get people to participate. So that's one area of participation, but we're going to do direct things like the dev camps and, and just reaching out to people and how to solve uh, local challenges a lot more. Um, the, other, the last piece is open source, and Blair talked a bit about how you know uh, going forward we're going to try to change the way that we do contracts so that um, – you know, if they're custom builds, custom built applications, they're going to have to be open sourced, and um, I think that's going to be profound. Um, that you know, we should be sharing amongst other government organizations. And a contract application is very similar across uh, in Berkeley as as well as in um, in in uh, Austin, Texas. So we should be uh, collaborating a lot more and um, and and making better products that way. The other thing that we're going to try to do is give open source equal footing when when we evaluate software, we're going to standardize the process, and we're going to go through a um, uh, a way that uh, open source is is at least has a seat on the table, so that people are looking at it. Um, and I'm not saying that we should have a preference for open source. I think it needs to be equal, and we need to find the best value for taxpayer dollars. Um, but we're going to look at things that people normally don't look at when they evaluate software, like uh, exit costs. You know, if you go into um, a closed source system, proprietary data formats, um, getting out of those systems are near impossible um, once you've invested in it. So those are important factors that you know we haven't looked at. And so we're going to try to make that change. We're going to standardize things, and we're going to make sure that open source is given equal footing. And the last piece around that is um, you know, anything that the city produces. So internal staff, our unions producing software uh, or coming up with things, um, we should we should be we should mandate that everything is open sourced and one of the things that i want to do is the work that we did around twitter i'd love to open source that as well give that back to the community so that any other city that wants to work with twitter they've got some documentation on how to do that what are the lessons we've learned and uh, any technology tools that they can use because uh, i think ideas and solutions like that are should have and why recreate the wheel as you were saying before steve so those are some of the things we're doing. And the last thing we're doing kind of on the legislative angle um, is to uh, ensure that going forward, uh, no contracts uh, are written in such a way that the data is proprietary. Um, and, and I think that's a lesson learned for us, that there needs to be language and contracts for software vendors that this is public data and it needs to be accessible. This is not your data. And um, you know they would lose in a in, in in a lot you know in the courts, but who has the effort and time to actually take a vendor to a court? So we're going to look to see if that's you know we can embed that into into contracts, which you know goes back to open data um, and changing the way that people look at data. So some of the things that we're doing in uh, San Francisco, but again, I think you know those ideation platforms. We want to learn from people, and that's why we're doing the blog. We want to hear from other people about how do we make this uh, a, you know how do we make this transparency efforts meaningful to, to San Francisco.
Well, thanks so much for joining us, Jay. And we have a lot of uh, listeners who are on Twitter as well. So I just want to point out that your uh, handle over there is J underscore Nath, N-A-T-H, J-A-Y underscore N-A-T-H, if people want to reach you there. Um, Just a a couple of minutes uh, left here. Uh, Blair, did you have any, uh, any closing thoughts? Well, uh, not not a whole lot, but I would like to. Uh, as we said, we're we're in the right zip code here. So uh, those of you that are listening that are part of the open source community, either purveyors of fine open source, or if you're local government agencies in the vicinity, please uh, definitely don't hesitate to uh, get in contact with us. We'd love to uh, brainstorm and and share the fruits of our efforts. And SFGov email addresses are, as would be Blair.Adams at SFGov.org, and the same for Jay Nath. Um, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, it was great, great meeting you a few weeks ago. It's great how some of uh, how GovLoop brings people together who are just down the street from each other, uh, as well as across the uh, the world. Thanks so and, much for uh, having us, Adriel. Appreciate the uh, the opportunity to talk about what we're doing. Fantastic. And Tom, did you have any uh, any closing thoughts? Um, I think Jay just about wrapped it up, but um, I'm just really glad that uh, the City of San Francisco is allowing us to participate. Um, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you, Tom. How about uh, the, the Steve? You guys have any thoughts? Uh, anything uh, come across your minds that we didn't uh, discuss at the top of the hour? No, just uh, another great show, and I think it's. Uh, it's interesting to see the guests every week uh, with the different perspectives from the Fed to the state to the local. And it's really interesting to see what uh, what Stan Fran is doing. And uh, looking forward to uh, the Open Gov conference next week. And uh, I'll report back. And I think Lunsford will be there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's great that there's a lot of overlap, but everybody's at least pointing the guns in the same direction. And and um, you know, using GovLoop and 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 Twitter and other uh, and other things, the social media web council kind of. Uh, the, you know, sharing these ideas and figuring out how can you take, you know, an idea from, uh, you know, D.C. took one approach, San Francisco maybe t- looking at a different approach, but at the end, you know, the idea is, is how to do things uh, more cheaply, uh, faster, and provide uh, better services. So, very cool. All right, and I'll just say in, in closing, uh, if you're interested in coming on this show, you can uh, – one of the best ways to get a hold of us is through Twitter. You can get me at uh, Adriel Hampton, uh, and you can get uh, uh, Steve Lunsford at uh, DS Lunsford, and Steve Ressler is GovLoop uh, primarily on Twitter. Thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us for today's show, and we will uh, hopefully uh, you'll hear from us again next week. Take care. <laughs>